what do lottery tickets have to do with the effectiveness of instructional coaching? It turns out a whole lot more than we might think. Hey, it's Matt, and you're listening to the Math Boss Mashup. Hello, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 2. Today, we're talking instructional coaching. But before we get started, let me say thank you. I'm deeply humbled that you've chosen to spend this time with me. And I'm going to bring an interview that I had with one of Houston's foremost instructional coaches and curriculum directors. Also, we're going to talk serotonin, lottery tickets, and instructional coaching. But first, a word from this season's sponsor. Did you know that in a study of over 6,000 individuals, one key factor was found to have a tremendous impact on social and cognitive development? That one factor was play. Creative, engaging, and fun play. At Team Tom Education, it is our pleasure to create fun and engaging resources and strategies for thousands of teachers in classrooms. Check us out at teamtomeducation.com. We're here for your students and your teachers. TeamTomEducation.com. If you're in the United States and you buy a $2 lottery ticket, you can expect a return of 90 cents. In other words, paying $2 for a lottery ticket almost guarantees a $1.10 loss. If you're in the UK, your chance of winning a prize is 1 out of 9.3. In other words, you're expected to lose your money most of the time. Why then do people buy the lottery ticket? Well, there was a study from Jinyan University in China this year, 2018, that delves into the details of how we use emotions for decision-making. The rational side of our brain, actually, the portions of our brain that deal with rationality actually are covered with emotions, almost clouded by them. As a matter of fact, the emotion that deals with lottery tickets most frequently is supported by the hormone dopamine. It's the thing that we get excited about when we get a prize, that quick flash of excitement, or when you pick up your cell phone and you see a notification, you want to click it because there's a satisfaction of knowing someone is reaching out to you. As powerful as dopamine is, it's certainly not the key hormone in instructional coaching. For that, we turn to serotonin. Serotonin is one of the four chemicals your body produces to create the emotional state of happiness. If you lead a school, you have the ability and responsibility to impact serotonin. Here's why and how. Low levels of serotonin are associated with feelings of loneliness and depression. In a school culture, these are toxic recipes. They are recipes for clicks, untrustworthy political maneuvering, and disengagement. The exact opposite what we need for effective instructional coaching. Clearly, no successful school culture was ever built on these. To build a powerful school culture, we must impact serotonin and instructional coaching is a key tool to doing so.
let's turn to one of Houston's foremost instructional coaches and curriculum directors. I sat down for a podcast and pasta interview with Carrie Flanagan. Here's a segment of that interview where we're discussing successes and barriers in instructional coaching. I recently heard an analogy that said the milk inside of the bottle can't read the label on the outside of the bottle. So <laughs> the teacher in the classroom oftentimes can't see the level of thinking that's happening because they can't see the label from the outside. That's a really good point. I think, you know, reflecting on myself as a teacher, sometimes you think what you're doing is just you know, you have this amazing lesson. And so obviously it's going to go over amazingly well and you've put in a ton of work, but you're not seeing all the extra little pieces that could just take it to that next step. And I think as a, in a campus instructional coach, especially that's where I think a lot of my strength came from was being able to look at that lesson and being able to point out those areas of, I really like what you're doing here. What if and adding that next step to the lesson that really extends it and pushes the kids to where we want them to be. So here's the hard part, and let's talk about this. <laughs> so, so we're working with kids. It's such a passionate thing, an important <laughs> thing, and <clears throat> there's good reasons that we're so passionate about <laughs> mm-hmm. what we do yeah. in and out of the classroom. But sometimes passion can get in the way of reflection, Absolutely, all the time. <laughs> You're laughing from, from, <laughs> from your a shirt. lot of experience. Yeah, I work with wonderful teachers. I mean, I can't think of a teacher who I've worked with who does not have passion for seeing kids be successful and a passion for their subject and a passion for what they're doing. But sometimes you're right, it's blinding to the reality of what we're doing. It's, it's kind of two different things. Like you have the passion for what we want to do and then the reality of what we're actually doing isn't necessarily matching. And it's hard to make that connection and it's hard to help people see that. And it's, there's a lot of discussion that goes on of what, how do you get people to make that realization and you want them to be able to make that themselves in a really safe space. That's hard. It's, it's probably the hardest thing a coach has to do. It's hard. It's easy, and I think it's easy to be a critic. And that's where, you know, when I work with people who are just getting started in coaching is how do you provide feedback without it being critical? Because the moment it comes across as critical is the moment you lose a relationship with a teacher, especially early on. And then once that trust is gone, it takes eons to get it back. So trust and uh, difficult time giving feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you could share some of your successful conversation, coaching conversations okay. you had, because uh, I know there's a lot of coaches that listen to the podcast. Absolutely. Um, well, to give a little bit of background on, you know, my own personal training has been really vetted within the Jim Knight philosophy, and that is enrolling teachers and building trust and con- communication through that. And uh, where. For me, having those conversations with teachers, I always kind of start with talking about you know where what the celebrations are, what's going right, what are they happy with, because it kind of sets the tone for being able to then find those areas of growth. 
if we go right into you know what didn't work mm-hmm. it's it's such a negative way to start and yeah. then you're much less likely to get them to make those realizations on their own and that's really what I'm trying to get them to do. I, of course, as a coach, you go into a classroom or you sit in a PLC and you, it's very easy to find, you know, the missteps or the missed opportunities and the, ooh, this didn't quite work out. And it's very easy to just automatically want to jump to that. But that kills trust with teachers. The lottery is a gamble. Low return, high risk. You can seek to spike dopamine in your coaching relationships by telling what to do. So teachers can feel the rush, the winning rush. But that is a short game, and it does not build trust. Here's how. Number one, by being honest. Bad news is better than uncertainty. Remember, uncertainty and anxiety are the result of serotonin decreases. Be honest to build trust. Number two, make the other person feel heard. Listening instead of telling in a coaching relationship says, I value this relationship. It says, I'm in this with you for the long game. Over time, it builds trust and acceptance. It builds serotonin and oxytocin, the chemicals needed, the key ingredients needed to remove the veil of emotions that cover the brain's rational center so that intelligent, strategic steps toward instructional improvement can be made. Hey, thanks again for listening to season two, episode two. I ask one thing, if you enjoyed this episode, please pass it along. Let's go out there and make an impact.